You're listening to Mid-Moment. I'm Lori Patton, president of Middlebury and professor of religion. In this special series, I'm checking in with our community to see how people are doing so that we might get a better idea of what it's like to be alone together. Today, I'm speaking with actress and comedian, Alyssa Limparis, Middlebury class of 2012. Hi there. Thanks for making me laugh. Oh my God, funky background. It's just the spring blossoms and sunset at Three South. Oh my God. Uh, I like to create a new background every day from Middlebury. And I want to always make it like a colorful thing that people can enjoy. I have a very similar situation here. <laughs> you're very white. You're doing really well. And you're white. The most depressing white wall you've ever seen that I've been sitting in front of for 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if I were you, I would do the white wall because then you can create almost anything on that white wall. So I'm extremely glad to have you here. I always start all of the mid-moment interviews, COVID edition, with a check-in. So how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I think, you know, yesterday we got news that we're going to be in LA for like three more months of lockdown. Like a lot of people have talked about, it's like this grief process of every stage learning that it's going to take longer and society is going to look a lot different. I think every time we get more of those news, it's intense but I feel lucky to be safe and to have work that I can do at home. And I live with my boyfriend and it's sunny out. And yeah, like just seeing the Middlebury background, it's I think a very comforting reminder that the world still exists. Like I remember when my dad was sick, it was really important that every day I went and got a cup of coffee and a scone at this place, Seven Stars. It was like so small and so vital to my health because it was a reminder of like, hey, you're on pause, like things are bad right now, but the world is carrying on, everything's still okay out here. When did it set in for you that you were gonna have to be on pause? What was that moment when COVID-19 kind of took over and you're like, okay, now it's different? I do think, and I've talked to some friends who have dealt with this too, I think like I remember the feeling of being normal and then I remember like my dad being sick and, and, and everything changing. And he had brain cancer. So it was a very aggressive form. And I lived at home for a year and watched him sort of deteriorate. And I, a weird part of going through something like that is I do think you're always like ready for it to happen again. I probably have some form of, you know, PTSD of sorts where the day I heard about this, I, it was almost a calm, like our world is, is going to change. In a pandemic or any kind of large scale crisis, there's a two-way street to humor, right? There are times when you can go too far. Do you do humor differently in a pandemic than you do when you're just being your wonderful, you know, Alyssa self? I've always done pandemic jokes. Right. That's been your genre, <laughs> right? I've been sick for 10 years. I can't I believe that. Finally, one. there's a pandemic, right? <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I think that's a great observation. And humor is tough in times like this because while it's necessary, there are also people who are risking their lives every second of every day, people who are losing their jobs, people who don't know how they're going to feed their family. So it's fragile. But I you know, I lost my dad and I lived at home with him for a year. And I kind of, I feel like that's where I started really learning my voice and comedy. And so in a weird way, I think when there's tragedy and when there's darkness, the humor pops out more and it's more necessary almost. And it's never punching down is the real key. You know, I would never 
make jokes about like, well, like I would never make jokes about my dad's tumor or I would never make jokes about like, you know, people who are at risk of dying in the pandemic, but I would make jokes about like my perception of things, how I'm seeing things. As long as, you know, as long as that's the filter, then I think it's just honest. It's such a human truth that humor is one of the ways that we deal with tragedy and loss. And um, I was really struck in reading about you and your journey that your dad's illness was one of the things that both put you in a space of, mm, not sure I wanna go do stand up on a stage anymore, but pushed you to doing videos. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about how the switch in media in response to a loss actually inspired you. Yeah, I, I think it's probably twofold. I would say the positive side of it is sort of like, I, I've always wanted to be an actress and I've always wanted to do character acting and I wasn't living my full truth. I was scared. I was doing like writing or stand up or I was doing stuff that didn't feel quite, quite it. And then my dad got sick and I watched how quick life is and how fast it can all go. And I just remember having a lot less fear after that and being like, if I, I remember just saying, I'm an actress, I'm an actress. I just started being like, I cannot fear this thing anymore because life is short and I have to do it. And then, yeah, the negative side is also like, uh, it is, I, I was vulnerable and I was like, I don't want to be on stage. And so I turned to this other medium of online, which felt safer to me because it was like, okay, I can control how much I put out. And if people don't like it, I don't have to watch. That. I mean, you know, I was doing dark comedy about my dad in these like New York restaurant shows where the people eating who didn't even know that there was going to be a show and then people are doing funny jokes and then I get up there and I'm trying to work through my dad's loss and everyone's like oh no <laughs> you know so it was just it was just like a lot and I think online helped me ha have a little bit of distance and it's nice because anytime I have career wins in that field I it's nice to feel like oh my dad pushed me here right. so he's part of this journey with me yeah that's so moving to hear you say that. And, you know, once we lose a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, they become an ancestor and yeah. they push us. We talk to them. They are still there, you know, in some really powerful ways and everything we do kind of we refer back to them. And I yeah. love the idea of your dad sort of cheering you on as you move through your comedic career. Give me a second. I'm doing my workout tape. Wash your hands. Should we pop open this puzzle? I made banana bread for two weeks just so we have quinoa. The stuff you like. You sleep in? Your mom in COVID is just hilarious. Oh, thanks. VIP member at BJ's. I'm going to lice all the shower again. Would you let me send some veggie stew on ice to your boyfriend? I don't think the neighbors are social distancing. If that's six feet, I must have learned math wrong. It, so how is your mom responding to your mom in COVID? She's like a big fan of all of it because she makes it with me and such. She's a collaborator in it, so she'll help right. me with the scripts and stuff, so she likes it. What has it been like more broadly to do comedy from home? I'm lucky that I'm used to doing this. Again, a lot of my work has come from making my own videos and making videos from home. That's probably like, you know, 50% of what I did before this started. It's getting a little tough to have the same space and to be creative in that same space, but yeah. I feel lucky that I know how to edit and make videos and do this stuff that doesn't necessarily require me to go out into the world. You have a number of characters, but you have a particular character that you think connects and resonates with folks during this time. 
either mom or another one? Yeah, I mean, mom is always one that I, I had a lot of fun. I went on like Instagram live this week and was doing my mom character with a bunch of other comedians in mom characters. And I think the beauty <laughs> of mom is like, she's universal. Everyone has right. a mom. And, and I think that always is a place for me. I find a lot of comfort in that character. And so I, I think that hopefully other people find some comfort in that character too, because it being mothered, it like, even if it's in this crazy eccentric way, I think right. it is just, it reminds you of being a kid. And I love doing like a Boston, like a Boston sports fan. Pats Nation, it's an, it's a hell of a good Monday to be alive. We are two wins and we're not stopping here. Brady, I love you. It's fun to be able to be like, oh yeah, for a second, this Boston character would, even in a pandemic, would probably just obsess about the Patriots. Yeah. Right, right. Do you think that comedy is going to change as a result of social distancing, as a result of pandemic. I mean, I, I keep wondering what the comedy scene was like in 1920, a year after the Spanish influenza. Well, I can tell you in 1920, I'm sure there were a lot of bad jokes about the flu. That's the, I, <laughs> exactly. I can guarantee you if there's, if there's anything that is for certain, it's that for a year, whenever, after this happens, there's going to be a lot of bad jokes at shows. Yeah. yeah. Um, the president saying Kofifi, it's like that was stand-ups used that for a year. So it, you know, if, if there's like a flu, we're going to be talking about it for years. But um, yeah, I think unfortunately live comedy is going to be hit. I think everything is just going to switch. There is a need for entertainment and entertainers want to keep entertaining. So there's Zoom shows. There's a lot of sketches being made. You know, I know that some stand-up clubs are thinking of doing like only allowing you know, a third of the capacity in spreading people out. Right. I think we'll adjust. It's, it's definitely sad for live comedy because, you know, there's something great about having a packed room and having everyone being so close to people yeah. and interacting. That's kind of the beauty of live comedy. So it yeah. will be tough to not have that, but we're going to find a way back. When was the moment at Middlebury when you knew that you wanted to pursue this or maybe you didn't know it at Middlebury but tell me a little bit about the relationship between you Middlebury and comedy so I came to Middlebury thinking I was going to run track for four years and I loved my coach coach Beatty's the best and I loved my track team and I did track aggressively in high school and I always wanted to do comedy but again it was that thing of like maybe not trusting myself not believing in myself and kind of just like not fully doing it I dealt with depression. I wasn't always like the happiest person. I wasn't sure of myself. I dealt with eating disorders. I wasn't really, things just weren't like clicking. And then I remember I saw a sign that was like, you know, do you think you're funny or something? I had never really heard of improv, but I remember being like improv auditions and I auditioned for the Otter nonsense group. I didn't get it, but I remember being like that I love. And so I auditioned again and I didn't get it. And then Middlebrow existed and this was like a new group. And so I was like, all right, I'll try this out. I got it. And I remember my first rehearsal sitting with these people and being like, I feel freaking like healed. I feel like these are my people. This is my voice. I feel like this is what has been, yeah, just like growing up is just kind of figuring out how you fit in. And I feel like once I found that group, I was like, yeah, this, this is where it is. And then I quit track and I, I did comedy and then the minute I graduated, I was like, I'm going to go to New York and, and try this out. But I owe it all to that group. They're still some of my best friends. We meet all the time. We just had a Middlebrow Zoom with kids who are still at Middlebury now. That group changed my life. 
That is such a wonderful story. And the other thing that really strikes me about that story is the lifelong friendships. And the other thing that's impressive is that you didn't make it a couple times. And then the third time was the charm and it became your life's passion. The idea that I, that it took a few times to get in and then that it was the best thing has really helped me. Cause when I got out, I didn't make UCB teams, which was like a big theater in New York. I, I tried out, I want to say more than twice, maybe three or four times. And I didn't make any UCB teams. And it really helped me to have the knowledge of what happened at Middlebury to be like, yeah. it took you a while, matter. but it was, it was the right thing. Like once it yeah. happened, it was the right thing. So it's, that's helped me a lot to be like, oh, it doesn't mean you're not funny or you're not good enough. It just means it's not quite right just yet. So like keep going or find a, a different path. I remember a chemistry professor I spoke with who had just won this big award. And I asked him, you know, what it was like to be a chemist, you know, when he first got engaged. He said, oh, I got a C minus in my first chemistry class. I completely oh. hated it. And I think it's because I hated it so much. I was like, I'm going to prove that I can do chemistry. I said, Becoming a chemist out of spite. Now that, that is right. something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I have a theory that all of life is compensatory at some level, that you're always compensating Absolutely. for something and Absolutely. that your drive and your you know, passion is, is somehow related to that. I do also want to just say that, you know, I didn't really study comedy or theater. I studied psychology, but I, a lot of this career is just work. And I feel so grateful for my Middlebury education all the time. I, I was thinking of going to LA right after high school. And my parents were like, you got to go to college. And I think it's the best thing I ever did. Middlebury made me a, a better actor and comedian, even though I didn't really focus on acting that much while I was there. Alyssa, thank you so much for making us laugh. Thank you so much for sharing your life with us, which is what you do in both your videos as well as all the other acting and comedy that you do. And it's been fantastic to talk to you. Oh my God, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. And please go to go to Otter Creek. I hope that they're doing some sort of contactless pickup and get right. a hummus wrap. Otter Creek, Otter Creek is doing... Um, takeout for bakery only okay. but it is doing takeout which is really great and the big news of, as of yesterday is um american flatbread is now opening up for takeout here so, we go i know it's like the best thing that ever happened to this yes. community so yes. so we're very excited about that and two brothers opened up last week for takeout so we're really finding a new way nachos, some flatbread to right. go okay things are yeah good. sam and dill wrap we're all kind of getting back in the groove here okay good Good.